Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the DB Show. We are here. We are here. It's back on Monday, episode 62. We're recapping NFL Week 1, and we're previewing NFL Week 2 all in one episode. So sit tight, grab some popcorn. It's going to be a good one. Promise we won't take too much of your time. But before we get to anything, any analysis, all that, I'm your host, Biebs. I'm joined by my co-host, Chen. And Chen, man, how are you doing today? Man, I'm feeling great. I'm feeling great. <laughs> Just uh, a lot of people say, uh, you know, Packers, what are your thoughts on this year? What's what's going through the minds of Packers fans right now of Jordan Love? Can they do it again? How much money do the Bears <laughs> spend in the offseason? <laughs> I mean, come on, man. You can't make it up. They spent – they had the most money to spend in the league all offseason. We got D.J. Moore. We got Tremaine Edmonds, T.J. Edwards. We, we're a new team. 38 to 20 is what would have happened with Aaron Rodgers two, three years ago. I, I mean, this is – oh, people love to say the term, we're back. We are so back, baby. No. The pack is back, okay? If our defense is going to play the – Quay Walker looked like he was playing Madden on that pick six, man. I, I mean, come on. <laughs> Don't you bring him down. And it's like, if we can have him do his thing, we have Rashawn Gary who can generate pressure on his own. Lucas Van Ness was awesome. I don't know if you saw a play where he hawked oh, he down did. Justin Fields, who runs a 4-3, by the way. You know, Bears fans would know that. But uh, they might have also – sorry, I thought that – it looked like Fields – Some it looked like a ball was coming over my head. I don't know if it was intended <laughs> for me. You can't really tell who it's intended for, to. For um, those on the podcast, he just jumped and swatted like there was a bug in his room. <laughs> and he dodged an imaginary ball. <laughs> and listen, that's what the Bears are to the Packers. They are a bug. They are a speck. They are a reflection when people ask me the greatest rivalry in sports. That was actually a great conversation yesterday. Great moment. My girlfriend, were watching the game. It's like they keep saying it's the longest rivalry in sports. Is it just we always beat the Bears, right? And I'm like, yeah, actually, let me look in there. Actually, we've beaten them nine times in a row. Nine times <laughs> in a row. And for the record, in the last 19, they only beat us twice. And in the last 32, they've beaten us five. So in those 32 games, I'm pretty sure one of them we did trot out back up. Another one, Rodgers broke his collarbone. So that's like two free wins. But then you got to think of, of 32 games. You got two that we play the Bears per year. So that's 16 seasons. So since 2007, the Bears in this rivalry that's so great and gets televised on people's TVs at 3.30 in the afternoon is usually a blowout in favor of the Packers. And then it rung true yesterday. It's going to continue to ring true for probably the rest of time at this rate because we did it again. Mama, we did it again. We got a third Hall of Fame. Okay, okay. It is Okay, just... I will pump the brakes a little bit. 
I am all super high on Jordan Love, as we've discussed years ago now. I'm not sure if you recall this conversation. I was ready to move on to Love after we lost to the 49ers in the playoffs. I am on record. I actually don't know if I'm on record anymore. We might have deleted that podcast. But I said it all the way back then. I was done with Rodgers. Um, to build off your stats, since 2007, that was the last time the Chicago Bears swept the season series against the Packers. Was 2007. Not, not you know, it's a it's a tough rivalry. They're splitting a lot of those seasons, right? No, the Packers have swept them ten times since 2007. Ten times we've swept this team. Just insanity, insanity, and we can sit here. I mean, obviously, we're biased, and I'll be the first to admit it. We're biased Packers fans. But I actually want to dive in a little bit on this game because this was one of the more marquee matchups of the week. And a lot of people, there's a lot of eyes on this game because for some reason, man, a lot of national media got, they got got by Jordan Love and the Packers. You can check the receipts. Not a lot of people. The Bears were one-point favorites going to this game. The Bears, who won three games last year, were one-point favorites against a team that was one win away from the playoffs, who basically reloaded every position except one. So now, I can understand why people were low on Jordan Love. I can understand why people were low on the Packers because they lost four or five times. I don't even remember anymore. Time MVP and top five quarterback of all time, Aaron Rodgers. But I actually... Forget the Packers. They're, they'll speak for themselves as the weeks go on. Let's. I really want to dive in and talk about the Bears because, like, <laughs> this is this team was so hyped up, and I still yeah. actually am somewhat invested in Justin Fields' success. I think that he has a potential future, but I'm starting to not see that because, look, here's the reality: they traded away a Pro Bowl linebacker last year. Okay. Via that trade and other trades, they basically got nothing in return. <laughs> they got nothing. Okay, no. I forget the specifics, but here's my – and we can dive into this. Here's my biggest issue with the Bears. We looked at them last year and we said, what is their number one issue? Their defense is middle of the pack, maybe bottom tier, but they'll figure – like that. you can put together a defense. And they still had some remaining pieces from that 2018 defense. Uh, that seems that are just way too old now to be part, you know, to be even contending to be a top defenders in the league. Uh, but they still had Roquan Smith. They had some nice pieces on defense to build around. They had Justin Fields, who looked great, who looked really good towards the back half of last year. What did they need? They needed to go get weapons. So they're a great old GM, man. Just a, just a, you know, a real man, a real slick dealer, I guess. He decided that it was a great idea. To trade a freaking first-round pick, basically, for Chase Claypool, I don't even know if he was on the field yesterday. I don't even know if he was on the field. So that's just burned assets right there. I mean, remember the scene in The Dark Knight? This is this will just sum up the entire Bears. <laughs> my, my take on the entire Bears front office. Remember the scene in The Dark Knight when Joker is with the mobsters and he has just a 20-foot-high stack of cash? And he just sets it on fire. That's how I feel about Ryan. 
Is it Ryan Pace is his name? Like <laughs> it's not about the money, see. It's about the message. See, it's about the message. <laughs> that's what the, that's what the Bears front office says to the Bears fans. And they buy into the propaganda every year. We got DJ Moore, the message. DJ Moore, we got a weapon. We got Chase Claypool, the message. It doesn't matter when you throw the ball to DJ Moore two times, man. Like it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't matter. I don't even think it's Justin Fields' fault. That's the thing. It was a horrible freaking game plan. And not to mention they spent all this money on that defense and they got absolutely torched. I don't even think Love Love looked great and he did what he needed to do. They got torched in the run game, man. The Mm -hmm. Packers were running the ball at will and you cannot win football games when you cannot stop the run. That is just base level, peewee level football. Go to some random high school anywhere in the country. You'll find in any state those teams that just run the wing tee and take their five yards a pop because they win a lot of games doing that because they control the clock and they win the games. So, look, I'll settle off my rants about the Bears front office or whatever. The reality is, dude, you're going to go get DJ Moore. You're going to trade the first overall pick for DJ Moore and, you know, other things. You got to give him the ball because that was the number one topic. I actually think that their backfield is solid. Khalil Herbert, I think, is a nice back. I think that Rashawn Johnson had a nice game. I think that Fields has potential. I know his stock is extremely low right now, and nobody wants to touch it. I've seen Bears fans calling for Caleb Williams. I've seen, I mean, it's just for a fan base that thought this guy was going to win the MVP uh, on Saturday – Wow, if they turn their backs on him really quickly, which might be part of the problem with the franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think that Fields has a bright, uh, not a bright future, but he, he can be a starter in this league. If he can get a freaking offensive coordinator that allows him more than a half second to throw the ball and allows him to actually you know, run a real system because it's, wow. No, I, I'm not even going to actually push back on that. I know I did the whole uh, ducking meme from uh, Fields is overthrown. but uh, He was a great thrower in college, too. Like It's not like we, you know, it's no. not like we don't know and haven't seen him have the ability to, you know, air it out successfully uh, from the pocket. Right. I, I'm actually pretty convinced that in today's day and age, most of the quarterbacks coming out have all the tools to succeed. In In my personal opinion, they have all the physical tools. I mean, the last guy that was, like, not the, like, mobile kind of 6-3-4 mold of quarterback that was picked high was Baker Mayfield in, like, 2018 is, like, the last guy I can think of. Everyone else since, um, I think, as long as they're putting this system to succeed, well, it should be all right. Because, like you mentioned, a lot of it was not Fields' fault. It was just odd to me – like you said, it's a Bears problem. It's a franchise problem. You hear the Boo Birds out in like for their own team in the second or third quarter at home, and they're already turning on fields. And it's their like, expectations were just. I just I didn't understand it the whole offseason. Bears fan no. expectations were so high, and, and as somebody of a fan of the Packers who's entering into a rebuild, yeah, you know, hopefully we're hoping for a soft rebuild now that we've lost a top five quarterback of all time, we can rebuild, which it looks great today. But mm-hmm. the whole offseason, my expectations were not Jordan Love's going to win the MVP or going no. to the Super Bowl. No, it was it like, oh, yeah, I hope he looks good and maybe we make a playoff push. Like, yeah. that, that's it. Like, 
realistic expectation. And I don't think the Bears fans really, truly, they must have checked out at some point last year. We're just lost in Justin Fields' La La Land because they still have the same issues, right? Like, we knew this team could run the ball. I know that they that Fields can run for 100 yards. That That's not new to me. I know Eberflus can do that. They still can't throw the ball, and you just got DJ Moore. Like you mentioned, they invested draft capital in Chase Claypool, who is just MIA. Like, I don't know if it's on his yeah. end or the game planning. Probably a little bit of both from what we can tell. I, I just if, – if things don't change – well, first of all, Iberflus will be done after this year. I'll, I'll call it right now. Like, I don't just, think he makes it out of the year. I wouldn't be shocked by that either. Just from what I'm watching, I, I mean, from I'm not saying a casual viewer, but like, and here's at, the here's, on my couch. It, it's pretty clear he's he's a problem. Here's my issue with the way, and this is not just because I'm a Packers fan. The 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 Bears, however many years ago it was, went like ten and six, I think, with in Lovey Smith's final season. And they fired him. Fired him, yeah. And they have just gone through this carousel of coaches and quarterbacks since and have just found themselves at the bottom of the league. And historically speaking, with the exception of like the 90s, I want to say, I don't like the Bears have been a good NFL franchise. And that's what has made this rivalry so great is really they kicked our butts with the exception of the Lombardi years. Uh, they kicked our butts for the 70s and 80s until, you know, Favre and Holmgren came on the scene. Oh, yeah, and, good, yeah. and, and we've been good since. I won't be – I'm not naive to that. Uh, we've been historically good since. But these Bears teams, we mentioned 2007. Like, they were in the Super Bowl in, 2000, in the 2006 season. They were in the NFC Championship in 2010. Like, these are not horrible Bears teams. But ever since they fired Lovey Smith, they've had one good season, and it's been bottom of the league every other year, every other year because of that decision. And I think it's really hurt this fan base, in my opinion. I, I, I genuinely will go out and say there is not a fan base that bothers me more than the Chicago Bears. And it's not because I'm a Packers fan. They are so they are more unrealistic than Cowboys fans, which is saying so much. Because at least the Cowboys fans, like I said, are a mediocre team that makes the playoffs, and then they get disappointed. And I can understand frustration building where it's like, well, we keep making the playoffs. Eventually, we'll win the Super Bowl, right? Well, you know, that's a different conversation. The Bears won three games last year and they're trying to do a one year turnaround. Like, no, the Bears, a season success, and Matt Eberfuss would keep his job, in my opinion, and should if they turn it around, they win seven games, six, eight games this year. They're around 500. Six might be too little, but one of those things where they're taking steps while continuing to build capital. Um, but man, I just. If it goes, if it keeps going this direction, he won't keep his job for the year. And the, just the the way the franchise is managed, there's just too much turnover to see sustained success in all positions: in head coach, in you know quarterbacks, etc., coordinators, the whole thing. There's too much turnover to see sustained success. Look at some of the most successful franchises in the league. There is not turnover. There is trust in the people that they put there to do their jobs. The Steelers have had like four coaches in their entire history. The entire history of the Pittsburgh Steelers is four coaches. They've won like the second most Super Bowls. Like it's just, you know, Bill Belichick's been with the Patriots for 20 years. It's not like they, they've taken a downturn since Brady left, but they've made the playoffs since he left. Like they haven't, you know, they're always around 500. He competes with subpar rosters. Like it's, 
it's one of those things where the Bears are continuing, and this is a make-or-break year, I think, for fields, but even for just the front office and management, like they are continuing to spiral downwards into a Houston Texans, Cleveland Browns tier where actually we'll get to the Browns and their uptake uptick this week and some of the moves they've made I actually really like, but historically speaking, they've been horrible forever. So the Bears, they just don't make good front office decisions and that yep. reflects on the field. And they don't, they, they're just make moves on a whim. They don't think long-term. It's a horrible long-term vision. When you look at, compare that to like what Howie Long does with the Eagles where every move is calculated and they're bringing in vets to build a defense up front. And it's just like, man, it's no wonder why this team has been to two Super Bowls in five years and you know won one of them and competes in the playoffs almost every year. You have your up and downs in between, but you're historically trending up in recent years, and the Bears are on the opposite pole of that. I mean, it it's less about – and I really want to stress this. It's less about me being a hype Packers fan and being toxic and more like, dude, this organization has some issues. Uh, and they just need to address the way they do business because it is just not sustainable for them. I know I, I do have a closing statement on the Bears to kind of actually transition into the Browns of what they're doing right. But real quick, I do want to make sure just for the viewers, it is you keep saying Howie Long. I don't want to give that um, that stooge credit on Fox NFL <laughs> Sunday. No, you're right. Right. It's Howie Roseman. It's Howie Roseman. But right. honestly, it's a, we recorded last week and you said Howie Long. And I was like, oh, man, I, I didn't know the Eagles GM was Howie. The last name always slipped my mind. It's Roseman. We'll make sure he gets his flowers and not that guy from NFL Sunday. You're so right. <laughs> my from the Bears, like their failures have honestly been this. They started focusing too much on their quarterback. They have been better yeah. when they focused on building out the rest of the team. And a team that ironically has done that has been the Browns. I know everyone likes to point at, oh, they've made this move for Deshaun Watson, but the roster they have, I mean, you can tell me if I'm wrong. I don't think they really need the draft capital for what they have all the pieces in place. You have Nick Chubb, David Njoku, Mari Cooper. You got your three-headed monster along with a solid offensive line. You don't even worry about your offense. Defensively, you got Miles Garrett, Darius Smith they bring in. You got Denzel Ward on the defensive side. Jeremiah, I can never say his last I name. I can't say his last name. You guys know Usu who I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, the Browns, the Usu Komora, whatever. I think uh, there's the same, like, they have – all their fills, like all their holes are filled. So what happens? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What happened on uh, Sunday was not a shot though. Like in terms of, if you really believed in what they had in this roster and you think Sean Watson was just going to get back to 80% of what he was, this should be a really good football team. But for me, their biggest question mark going into this season was quarterback. And so the Browns are the perfect example of building a successful team around a mediocre quarterback. And I wouldn't even point to this year because quarterback was with Sean Watson move, in my opinion, was one of the last moves they made in finalizing this roster Mm -hmm. uh, to to get into Super Bowl contention. Last year was a disappointment because their quarterback that they made the move for missed 11 games. Um, But this is a team that was, were they in the AFC championship 
with Baker Mayfield or the AFC Divisional? Yeah. Like, the roster so was there yeah. with Baker Mayfield. And I know they invested a first overall pick into him, but that was after they picked Miles Garrett. And it was something that was like they focused on that first. And I think that they've really learned and turned a table. Um, and you can even see this in the Bears' history. Their one good season this decade when they won 12 games and won the NFC North was the year they traded for Khalil Mack and built around young Mitch Trubisky. Uh, and their franchise just got too focused on their quarterback. I think they should have continued to give you know, Trubisky his, his chance Maybe extended him. He reached the end of his rookie deal. I don't know. It is what it is. I don't like. I said the way they got Fields and stuff. I didn't hate the way. I actually liked the way they did that. But it's one of those things where they put so much focus on a, throwing a quarterback out there with a bad roster that it's just not going to end well. Look yeah. at, and this kind of takes me to another talking point before we completely move on from the Bears Packers game. Is I don't know why Jordan Love having even mild success is so shocking to people. People don't realize this is his fourth year in this offense. He's more than comfortable. Anybody in their fourth year in the same system is going to look at least as good once a year as he did yesterday. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those things where, why are you so shocked? We've seen so many instances of quarterbacks who sit one year, two years, and they're so much better because of it than rather getting thrown into the fire. I don't know why franchises insist on doing this because that just creates bad – in my eyes, it creates bad habits. Patrick Mahomes sat for a year. I can only think of one recent example of somebody who sat for a year and it didn't go well, and that's Trey Lance. And that's a very like unique situation because of the Mr. Irrelevant came in and took his spot. Like That yeah. is something where the franchise planned to sit him behind a Jimmy Garoppolo – and then give him the reins, and then the guy got hurt, and they moved on. Like We can have our takes on that, but that's the only thing I can think of recently. Are there examples of people who play right away and turn out great? Yeah, sure. Peyton Manning, uh, you know, there's there's examples of both, but historically speaking, you it's better when they sit. Aaron Rodgers is the prime example of this. He's had three years behind Brett Favre. Jordan Love, it's the same, like, I just, you know, even if they sit half the year, I'm always going to be in favor of rookie quarterbacks sitting. Yes, so. no, I, I totally agree in that stance of you would be very hard-pressed to find a quarterback that you bring up Trey Lance, but I, I would say in they sit and then when they play games, <laughs> like like a full you know <laughs> season, I don't think Trey Lance to – as yes, I thought like Purdy won the locker room in his play. I never thought like Lance technically like – lost the job though it was more like purdy was just doing so well why do you replace him in my book um trey and especially if you just weren't focused on developing trey lance as what kyle shanahan clearly wasn't um, <laughs> so but like from his perspective like i still think there's like he still kind of has a career ahead of him he's still a young kid and sitting for even more he should come out fine because it's very rare that i again i can't think of it where a guy sat for a couple years and came out and played really bad it's always the quarterbacks that get thrown into the fire, which ironically, we had a lot of rookie quarterbacks that got thrown in the fire this week. But before we, you know, go into that, um, the quarterback that looked like he was in the fire was Joe Burrow. And yeah, yeah we can pivot to this game now. I just wanted yeah. to get that off my chest. Absolutely. No. And we, yeah, I know we had a lot of thoughts being Packers fans, but 
hey, we got to take the victory lap. I mean, and especially oh, yeah, and the Bears and just the amount of disarray. I mean, it's 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 almost kind of sad. But yeah. It's... So let's pivot though. Let's pivot. It's a little sad, but let's pivot. Oh. Bengals Browns, another big divisional matchup that at this point really looks like it's going to have playoff uh, implications. But yep. it, I, I'm going to guess no. I'm not. But you hit the panic button on the Bengals or. No, 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 because we've been down this road so many times. I don't really think I can hit the panic button on contenders of last year until after, like, if they're, like, 0-4. Because I remember a year where the Patriots started out 0-4 and still went 12-4, and and then I think probably went to the Super Bowl. Like, ever since there was a time when to shot Tom Brady get benched for Jimmy G, and then he went on the Super Bowl, I kind of give some grace with guys that are established. And – Joe Burrow just got re-upped to a five-year, like $275 million deal. Yeah. There's I would be shocked if he's bad this year, personally. Yeah. So here's what I'll say. Um, you picked the Browns in this game, and I'll pivot back to that and ask and kind of ask you why. But I had the Bengals. Mm-hmm. Um, I just picked the Bengals because they're the Bengals. I'm very high on them every year. Uh, yeah. why I think they lost this game in such dramatic fashion. Um I guess I'd forgotten Joe Burrow was hurt the entire preseason. He did not play a single game. He got no snaps. All of that rust is being shaken off. And that was shown when they had 67 passing yards. Okay. As a team in this game. Right. Um, the, it was in Cleveland, which I believe you noted when you picked the Browns to win the game. And it was yep. raining for what is supposed to be an explosive passing offense against a power run team. In my opinion, in the Browns, all things in favor of the Browns. Okay, uh, not yep. to mention the whole Jamar Chase elves thing and whatever you know locker you know locker room material. But yeah. uh, look, I'm not going to panic on the Bengals either because I'm pretty sure they started 0 2 last year after they had gone to the Super Bowl. Indeed. I know there's all the stats about starting 0 2 and not making the playoffs. The Bengals are one in four in their last five week ones, and we know how great they've been over the last three or four years. So. It is what it is. But uh, right. this team, I feel like they just come out slow every year. Not worried. Now I'll flip it to you. You had the Browns in this game. How'd you see the future, I guess, is how I'll phrase it. <laughs> no, it was really – I was banking. I didn't think it was going to be that bad of a game for Joe okay. Burrow. But I, I really was banking on that. Yeah, I knew Joe Burrow hadn't played a lot. I understood that he's somebody – if he's not like a runner. He's not going to really beat you. He will beat you like Tom Brady will beat you most times. But in the, I didn't know it was going to be raining and stuff like that. But if, if conditions were where they're kind of struggling, they need to get going some other way. Uh, if he can't throw it, they're, they're just not going to get that done. Joe Mixon, I think, is probably the most like top 10, but like sits at 10 running back for me ever. Like, I like he has kind of like all the talent, but like week to week even like his best games don't really feel like they're that great. Um, and so it wasn't like a crazy, like, like 24 to three. I, I didn't think it was going to be like three points. I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't, I didn't think it was gonna be that bad, but from the Browns side, this is, I think what they're going to do most of the year. I don't think they're going to pop off as much as I like their offense. Uh, like you brought up, they're very power run, run heavy. That showed up in the, the box score. I mean, Deshaun Watson could run it. Chubb, they got Dearness Johnson. They got a nice backfield there. 
So this is a team that I know you're going to love going into the playoffs come playoff time. They got the solid defense, solid run game, um, very old school, should be reliable. I mean, I talk about them getting the AFC championship with Mayfield. Is this an AFC championship rematch? They could, I mean, we could see this. We so could see here's this. where here's where I'm disappointed in myself mm. is we see these these AFC playoffs like a week ago, and I left the Browns out because I was like, oh, the Bengals and Ravens are just that much better. And okay. I remember saying, and if I didn't say it, I really want I have it written down and I could prove it. I love what the Browns did building up their defense this year and putting people around Miles Garrett to make it easier for him to succeed and not be triple teamed. Like it's yeah. a lame excuse that fans always use. Oh, you know, Will Mack or Miles Garrett's getting triple teamed. That's why he can't do anything. Like build your roster around that star player and you're going to have more success. And I just loved what they did. And then I also, I think that, you, could, you know, you're in my dynasty fantasy league. I drafted Deshaun Watson a year ago when we started it up, you know, and I sat him the whole year because I just think that he's, dude, he's like 26 or 27 or however old he is. Like he's I'm playing. He's amazing. People forget he was like top yeah. three. He, dude, he was insane in Houston. And people, people always say this. If he gets to even 80% of what he was in Houston, this Browns roster is freaking insane, right? Yeah. And it's not like they have the problems they had when Baker was there because they have Amari Cooper now. They, they still have Nick Chubb from then, and their defense is better in my opinion. So, yeah, man, when they win a big divisional game at home against who I think is the favorite to win their division, that's going to matter come playoff time. And I know you've got the Steelers winning this division, which, you know, we can get into a little bit later. But, (laughs) yeah, it's one of those things where, yeah, this is a team that is set up to succeed, especially when the weather gets cold. The question is going to come become, can the Browns defense hold up against a Bengals offense that is clicking on all cylinders? because we saw nothing even remotely close to that uh, on Sunday. And this is a Bengals team that historically, just based off the trends of the last few years, is going to get to Week 10 and be the best offense in the league all the way through January. Like, they're going to get to that point. They're going to lose maybe a playoff game and one other game. And they're going to, you know, be thrown for 350 every week. Because that's just yeah. what they do. So it takes them a while to get warmed up. But this AFC North is getting really interesting. I think you got four teams that – really all have a chance um but yeah i uh, yeah i definitely have to say that this could be a division that all four teams make it um but just my my thing with browns is like just it's the my like final just ball drop every time with the browns is they're the browns like the only reason i didn't we didn't push for them harder because everything on paper everything you see with them lines up it's like oh yeah this is on Madden, that's going to the Super Bowl. But then we're like, it's the Browns. And you think of their coaching, and you just play back all the crazy plays and stuff, and you're like, yeah, I don't even want my playoff picture. Because it, it's just – it's the Browns. It's until I improve it otherwise, I just don't – It's the Jets. It's the exact – the Browns and the Jets are like the only two teams in the league where it's like, dude, they actually might be really cursed. Like find a way to lose, no matter who they got. Yeah, yeah, that's well, it's well said. Um, All right, let let's pivot. Let's talk a little bit about last night's game. Okay, this was something I did not see coming. Um, 
I have the Giants winning the NFC East. That was my selection we made last week. I picked them last night, as did you. Um, we both picked the Giants last night. So, um, I think because no. I, I wanted them to probably win, but man, that's bad. Oh. <laughs> Look, here's. Here's here's my takeaway from Sunday Night Football. Cowboys get the win 42 nothing. Um, I believe their defense scored two touchdowns, a block kick, and a pick six. Um, one of those games where if you're the Giants, absolutely nothing went right, and absolutely everything went in, not just wrong, in the worst possible way wrong it could have. You go back to the drawing board and you say, well, I'm glad we got that one out of the way because there's just no way that an NFL team can play that bad again and get that unlucky for the rest of the season. I mean, it was freakish things happening. Now, all credit to the Cowboys defense. They looked phenomenal. I think they sacked Daniel Jones. Let me pull this up. I think it was seven times. I'm not 100%. Yeah, seven sacks. Okay. This defense is legit, um, and my question to you is, is, this, is the takeaway from this game to be that high on the Cowboys or to just be low on the Giants? Where are you at? Mix of both. Um, I would put the Giants in that category of the Lions of overperforming, and my issue with the Giants is I don't actually think they got as much better as people thought, and that reasoning is – well, I'm just going to just say it right now. I know it's a little early, but one of my week one losers um, was the Giants GM. I, I mean, that is – you just locked yourselves into Daniel Jones. I never felt good about that, ever. I, I just – I'm sorry. At a certain point, I know you didn't feel like you were in the high enough spot to go get a guy. The free agency class wasn't great. It's not worth sacrificing the rest of your roster because now they, they can't really do anything cap-wise. Yeah, I like that you went and got Darren Waller, but you got him for Daniel Jones. You didn't get him for a guy who's going to be able to utilize him to the best of his ability, as we just saw last night. Um, so I, I just have my concerns. I understand because of how good they play defensively. Um, I, I really love their DC, uh, Wink Martindale. Having the run game, like, it's that it's – that, combo defense strong run game you can find ways to win in this league but they're on that side of the fence where they're just not explosive enough to me I don't think they're going to get very far they might sneak into the playoffs again um but the Cowboys have like the roster they have the roster that should go theoretically really far I I mean that that defense looked insane um the offense shouldn't have to perform crazy but they have the pieces play solid um but i'd like to hear your thoughts because i i know you, you're high on the giants and you might be seeing some things i'm not um so, look uh i actually agree with all your takes i am still unfazed on my giants um division winner pick maybe a little phased mm. on my, div- on my is bare, yeah <laughs> maybe a little phased on my giants losing a super bowl to the Bengals pick but um 
Look, oh, it's, wow. a long, it's a long oh, season. <laughs> I don't know what it is about me and picking your super teams, but man, I will pick a young up-and-coming roster and they will just find a way to just wreck their franchise. I'm honestly <laughs> glad you didn't pick the Packers this year. I, did, I said that last week. I said I'm not picking the Packers this year because I don't. it, it didn't happen for us. You didn't curse them, thankfully. Yeah. Um, and we, we'll see as the season goes on if there actually is a curse with my selections. But um, look, it's one of those games where you don't see 40 to zero in the NFL hardly ever. Um, everything went wrong for this team. Graham Gano like shanked two easy field goals, they had a blocked kick that got returned for a touchdown. Yeah, the pick like- six was a tip, like that, like was not Daniel Jones' fault. Like, it's just one of those things. You look at the box where you look at Daniel Jones, it looked horrible. Um, this team, they came out and drove all the way down the field and looked like they were going to score a touchdown on their first drive. And then that kick got blocked and the whole thing changed from that one play. And mm-hmm. my one concern moving forward, they're going to get their defensive line. Um, I mean, shoot, you give up two defensive touchdowns, not much your defense can freaking do, right? Like, <laughs> Their defense only gave up, uh, you know, let's do the math, you know, 26 points. That's not horrible. It's not great, but it's not horrible. Uh, And the offense scored zero. So all my concerns are really on the offensive side of the ball. I don't think the Cowboys' offense was that special last night either. You look at the box score. You look at the stats. It was not, you know, they had 265 yards of offense, 150 on the ground almost, 120 or 150 in the air, 120 on the ground. Um, and they managed the game, which is what they needed to do. They started running the clock because they were up so heavy. So part of that skewed by that. But, uh, look, Daniel Jones, um, he's never going to be a guy that can be great coming from behind and, and light you up, you know, Rodgers-style, gunslinging, comeback from 17 points in the fourth quarter sort of guy. Daniel Jones is a game manager, and he's a good game manager. And at the time, I think that the Giants made the right decision in resigning him because – like you said, they weren't in a position to go up and get somebody in the draft, and the roster wasn't a good spot last year. I think they just said, let's run it back and see if we can get him a weapon. We'll see how they use Darren Waller throughout the year, continue to use Saquon, but um, it's week one, and the reason I picked the Giants to do so well this year is because this, this, this is what the Giants do. It's this Eli Manning legacy of just like hanging around, being a wild card team, Oh yeah, we're gonna go beat the all-time greatest Patriots team of all time in the Super Bowl. You know, like it's just random, like good defense, control the ball on offense, winning. And I've yet to see a reason to be concerned about their defense. You can say what you want about Daniel Jones and his turnovers last night. I mean, I don't know. They just were behind the eight ball the whole game. I definitely, you know, bad look for them and they are a lose huge loser this week and i see why you said that um but i'm not too i'm not pan- panicking i guess i'm not pressing the panic button we always use that phrase i will not be pressing yeah. the panic button. yeah that's fair man i i just think uh a really just, this might be a, you know one of these things you bookmark most of the year i think you're going to be bringing up you're winning in spite of daniel jones or you're not winning because of daniel jones so that's a fair take i don't think it's going to be really on anybody else however last year i was saying the opposite about the giants and that was what was so different and why i felt confident when they resigned him was 
he really had taken a leap. And I, maybe he's just one of those guys that plays great in his contract year, gets his money, and phases <laughs> Got the out. bag, and he's like – Yeah, and he phases <laughs> out. But they were winning – remember that game against the Packers last year in London? I mean, they were winning these games because of Daniel Jones throwing to nobody. Um, and so, look, clearly horrible performance week one, obviously. Um I didn't know that the Cowboys – I knew it was good. I didn't know it was, you know, the greatest front four ever formed. That's going to be a force to be reckoned with. I am concerned about the New York O-line. Absolutely. That's my number one position group concern for the Giants. Uh, and, look, I, it's just one of those things where, like, the Giants are going to come back later in the year fairly confident. They're going to split the season series with the Cowboys. Might even play them in the playoffs. And then it's going to be Dak Prescott in the divisional. And it's going to be like, Wow. Yeah, <laughs> shocker, man. I wonder how we yeah. all think that one's gonna go, right? Yeah. The Giants are gonna Dallas. Like, yeah, I've seen this one before. Like, that's yeah, uh, and that's why I picked them. They're, they're just like sneaky, um, and you got to be, you got to do stuff like this to be sneaky. <laughs> like, you got like you, to stay under the radar. You got to get beat forty to zero. <laughs> <laughs> Never let them know your next move. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We are witnessing a Brian Dable masterclass in team psychology, right? Now. <laughs> um, let's pivot to what I think was game of the week. Might be a game of the year candidate here. Uh, Dolphins in LA against the Chargers. Back and forth the entire game. Mm. Just incredible performances from two just great young quarterbacks, in my opinion. Um, I'm I'm kind of at the point where I'm pretty far in on Tua. Um, where are you at on Tua? Oh, well, shout out to my boy Sean who asked me for some fantasy football advice during his draft and showed me the available players, and I said Tyreek Hill. And <laughs> you're welcome. No, you won your week <laughs> one. You sent me the score. Best of luck. Uh, if Tua's on the waivers, you should pick him up as well. Uh, because that duo, I mean, we saw it last year, but even this is what scared me was the post-game interview was Tyreek Hill saying, yeah, like I feel better than last year. I feel like I've just been relying on my speed a lot and just trying to get open. And now I feel like I really focused in on route running and, you know, playing receiver. Like, are you kidding me? This guy is like, actually, right. I take everything Tyreek Hill's like. like I, I, and that's like, wow. It's it's a receiver thing to really you know talk talk and a lot of times they don't always walk the walk but um, 215 yards in week one is a statement. I mean for a receiver to I thought Justin Jefferson was going to go for 200 the way he was playing the first half, but uh, Tyreek Hill like actually did it, saved a lot of fantasy owners everywhere. And this Tua to be honest, and this might be a hot take because I know there's people who really enjoy Tua. I think he's somebody that is benefiting a lot from the system and people around him. And I think really anybody could succeed in that offense, similar to the 49ers. There's just so much talent and speed. Um, It's similar to like Ohio state quarterbacks always getting drafted high and coming in. And they're usually not very good because Ohio state just has such good skill depth around it. It's a Bama issue as well. Um, and I'm not saying that's like Tua's garbage, right? Like that's that's a bit strong to say about somebody who just threw for almost 500 yards in week one. Yeah. But 
when you watch Tua, like he's had some stinker games. Like we've all seen the Tua turn the ball over memes. Like he, he has, he's gotten concussed a lot, which I mean, is as serious as it is, it does affect your play. I mean, saw it in the Packer game. That's just my take though. I, I know you probably have different viewpoints and Chargers, I'm just never high on. So <laughs> here your take uh, on that. Actually, I'm in pretty full agreement. Look, I was the guy last week saying, I don't know if the Dolphin, my hot take was, I don't know if the Dolphins win six or seven games this year. I'm pretty low on the Dolphins this year. Um, and this game kind of exemplifies why is I just am not a firm believer in this style of winning being that sustainable. No. Um, sure, yeah. it'll always be sustainable in Miami where the weather's perfect, but – for long-term success, you've got to be able to get more than 10 carries for 37 yards out of Raheem Mostert. Um, mm. And that's sure, that's my football philosophy. And this was a shootout, and that was the script of the game. I'm not an idiot. I understand all that. Um, but my main concern with the Dolphins is the same as it was last week. They gave up 34 points and a lot of offense to the Chargers, and they won because they got the ball last, essentially. Right? And that's just not always going to be super sustainable. Now, Throwing for 460 yards is going to win you a lot of games. I don't, I was actually higher on the Chargers defense than what they performed yesterday, but I just don't foresee that being uber sustainable throughout the course of an entire season, especially when they play in a division that has Bill Belichick, the greatest defensive mind literally ever, uh, and then the Bills defense, which is solid, and the Jets defense, which is top. I mean, you have three top 10, top seven defenses in your division, man. Yeah, uh, all paired with really good offenses. I'm still low on the Dolphins this year. Now, to move on to the Chargers, I still think, you know, I'm not throwing them out. Of, I have them as my seventh seed, I believe. I'm not throwing that take. I'm not, you know, I'll hold that take. But uh, this is just classic Brandon Staley Chargers, man. And Justin Herbert catches all the flack for finding ways to lose games by a field goal or less or choking in the playoffs or whatever. And, Partially deserved in some cases, more than partially deserved in others. But, man, like I just always think back to when the Chargers almost lost that game against the Browns last year because Brandon Staley decided to go for it on his side, on the opposite side of the 50. And then the Browns stopped them, and they like missed a 50-yarder. And that was the only reason the Chargers won the game. Like Brandon Staley, man, like last year I spent the whole year calling for Cliff Kingsbury's job. This year, it's going to be Brandon Staley and Josh McDaniels. Like, the carryover of legacy coach eight is here, and I will not be satisfied until Justin Herbert has a new freaking head coach because that man will never win a Super Bowl with the Los Angeles Chargers. He holds them back so far. And I know what you're saying. Oh, they lost this game. It's not, you know, I don't think he had a, a big moment in this game that was a blunder. It's just, it's just their culture, man. And I'm just going to point at the guy who's the most responsible, and that's that coach. And they just find ways to lose close games. That's what a good coach does. He wins you close games. Look at Brady, look at Belichick, all those years of success. All you can point to all of them. Good quarterbacks, good whatever, win you close games. Herbert has some hurdles to, to jump. I'm not, I'll be the first one to admit it. He's got a problem with losing close games. He's got to solve those hurdles himself. But I'm pointing to Brady and Steely first. Um, and the Chargers are going to be fine this year. They're going to be exactly who I think they are, a wild card team who will probably find a way to lose in the playoffs. But Yeah. Hey, man, I just think it's uh, – this definitely endorses your take on Brandon Staley. It's very telling that Brandon Staley was hired to the Rams – or, no, I'm sorry, hired from the Rams to the Chargers after that Rams Super Bowl appearance when they held the Patriots 10 points. They still lost. 
but they hired him from the defensive side of the ball. And you have a guy who has made so many mistakes, not only in the playoffs of not being able to get a stop against the Jaguars last year, but now in week one, you you know who's going to beat you on the Dolphins too. Like it's their speed, it's Tyreek Hill, it's Jalen Waddle, their stretch field, and you just lose like most obvious Dolphins ways, the only way they can beat you possible. Um, he should, I don't think he'll get cut in the middle of the season just because of like the way the Chargers are structured. They'll probably be competitive the entire year. But if he doesn't go after the season. No, the roster's too good to be held back. And I think you've just seen so many good coach scheme fits in the NFL recently. And that's been like a, a you know, a, a trend over the last five years of coaches just elevating subpar rosters with just culture and, um, you know, philosophy. Like, I, I don't know how else, what other words to use, but coaches have been elevating rosters all over the league. Arthur Smith, Brian Dable, Robert Sala. Uh, Dan Campbell, just to name that's a couple. It. Yeah. Well, okay, that's it. <laughs> but you're not wrong. You're not wrong. And it's one that's of those things where there's a couple coaches in this league who I think are are living in, in the 2010s still. And the 2020s, to me, have really all been about uh, elevating subpar rosters with great coaching. Um, and Brandon Staley, for whatever reason, I, I just don't see the vision. I don't see the vision of Josh McDaniels. We'll go on. and I'll go on about that for the whole year, so buckle in. But you brought that up. I, I believe you brought – was it not – was that on the Kelsey podcast when they, like, brought in Julian Edelman or something where, like, they had a whole conversation yeah. of, like, there's coaches in the league who are still, like, old, like, back in the day. And so, like, you'll salivate. Here, too, like, Tyreek Hill probably saw the Chargers tape and was like, oh, if they don't, they don't change this, this is easy pickings. And it was indeed easy pickings. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's just something where there's so much creativity in the way offenses are run this, you know, nowadays, and defenses are evolving to, you know, stop that. And we'll dive more in depth as the year goes on and we start to see these changes. But I just I just think that guys like McVay, who have just really established themselves as creative minds, uh, and that McVay fleet that McVay tree, Lafleur, Shanahan, who we can have a separate conversations about him, but. Um, you know, that sort of style of offense has really done well. Uh, and then defenses have come to match that. And I just, I just, I don't know. There's just coaches who have showed up places and have had had immediate impact on elevating what was in one year turnaround specifically that I just don't see it with Brandon Staley and other guys throughout the league, but you know, Cliff Kingsbury was one of them. You know, I'm kind of going in circles, but I just don't see it. Mike McDaniel's a great example of it with the freaking Dolphins. Like, it's yeah. a great example of somebody who's finding something that works for that roster, who is just unlike any other roster we've ever seen. But we can move on. Um, that kind of that kind of ends kind of the games I wanted to highlight. Is there any other game you want to touch on uh, before we kind of oh. transition? Yeah, no, not really. I think that was uh, like. There's there's some teams we have question marks about now, like the Vikings. But to be honest, like it, the, a lot of the way the games fell, the rest of them, in my opinion, were not like crazy surprising. The Vikings close loss. They had a lot of those last year. They closely won. Falcons being the Panthers, the Jags being the Colts, like a lot of division close games. Um, Raiders winning by one. The Saints winning by one. That's all week one stuff. Nothing crazy surprising. I think we left out. Um, but I'm curious to hear like your, your big takeaways, like, you know, your, your three yeah. your big time winners, 
big time losers because uh, there, there I think was a couple really for both sides where it was kind of like your eyes open a bit. Yeah. So we'll, I'll, I'll go, I'll go my winners first and you can yeah. do winners then we'll do Definitely. losers. Um, I've got three big winners. We've touched on Tua already. He was one of my winners of the week. Um, somebody who just had a bad injury history last year, kind of boosted into super national spotlight with the success of his team early in the season last year. Dolphins, he missed a lot of time. Their season kind of sputtered out. Good to see him back. Good to see them back doing what they do best and still succeeding at it. I'm interested to see if they can keep it sustainable for the whole year, like I said. But Tua was a big winner of the week. The other, my he's my second biggest winner. My third biggest, or my first biggest winner, sorry. My first biggest winner of this week, Baker freaking Mayfield, baby. Mm -hmm. Baker freaking Mayfield. Okay. Absolutely goes on the road into Minnesota, runs on fourth. Was it fourth down? Completely puts his head down, wins the locker room over. Everybody's talking about it. Nobody had the Bucks winning this game. Baker Mayfield Renaissance. I will always be here for it. I will always root for that guy. He plays with so much heart. He just gets so much un well, actually, so much hate. I won't say unnecessary hate because <laughs> sometimes it's necessary, but. He just he just always just had a target on his back. And man, he just he's a gamer, man. When the lights are on, he grinds away and grinds out wins. And just a you know, hats off to Baker. I'll always root for him. He's fun to root for, man. Like that's just one of those things. He showed up with the Rams last year and just like diced up a win. And they were like two and eight at the time or something. I don't even remember. It was so stupid. Yeah. And everyone, it was on like a primetime game. Everyone was like, Baker Mania. And it was just fun to see him back in this game. My third winner of the week. So I've got Baker at number one, two at number two. My third winner of the week. And can I just say that this personally, like this, like I typed this out and it literally hurt me to write this because I really do not like this guy. <laughs> And that's Kyle Shanahan. Brock mm -hmm. Purdy looked freaking amazing. The offense looked phenomenal. They're all healthy. They're all here for now. Uh, the defense looked phenomenal. They got both on the field. Kyle Shanahan, winner of the week for sure. Dominant performance against the Steelers on all facets of the game, but specifically with the Brock Purdy decision, moving Trey Lance and making that decision. I can still disagree with how they handled it, whatever. But it was pretty apparent that they made the right choice. Uh, they're going to win football games right now. All right. All right. No, those are really good players, man. I'm not going to lie. It uh, opens my eyes a bit. Because, uh, you know, <laughs> to be honest with you, watching Baker Mayfield play, it was like, man, like the, the first half was was bad. But <laughs> you got me, like, the, like they knocked off the 13 and 4 Vikings. Like, no matter yeah. how you put it. The, he, he finds a way, and I think that's what is just so attractive about Baker Mayfield. Why he still has a starting job? Because personally, from, from the eye test and, like, every, like, football, like, statistic in me is like, get this dude out of here. But he finds a way. And I'm actually – so my big winner is going to be on the flip side of this, and it's going to be something that is going to probably be a little kind of head-scratching at first, but I'm going to explain it. And that's going to be Justin Jefferson. And this is why the Vikings, this, the Vikings, Kirk Cousins fumbled twice. Okay. And he had an interception that was debatably his fault. But the, like they could have put up a lot more points. 
a lot more points. And in that first half, as I think I mentioned earlier, Justin Jefferson had already been at 100 yards. If things just went the way, like Kirk wasn't dropping the ball and they have a rookie in Jordan Addison who I just mentioned as a rookie, it was his first game. It was already creating problems. That goal of 2,000 yards for Justin Jefferson, I think is attainable because I didn't bring in TJ Hawkinson in the picture. This Vikings offense definitely took a step up as a team if they're going to take a leap. I don't really know. I think defensively there might be some question marks. They weren't terrible by any means yesterday. Um, That's but- what I did not foresee. You know, I picked the Vikings to win the North this year. I, I really was – their defense I, – I probably should have spent some more time looking at it on paper, but I was pretty disappointed. Um, They're in the Dolphins category. And I, yeah, and I was really disappointed. And you actually mentioned this last week in their offensive line. I was really disappointed. I, I didn't think they were that bad that last year. and They did not look great. Yeah, yeah he, he – uh, Kirk got hit a little bit. And um, like I said, there's holes, but those holes are not at receiver and really in the passing game. It's the one thing they can always rely on. And it's it just seemed like anytime they needed a big play, they would try and get it to Justin Jefferson. So, yeah, for his sake and fantasy owners, I think, are huge winners. Um, my second, second big, like, winner of the week has got to be Arthur Smith. Um, and it's another one where you, if you really look into it, Pro barely utilized Kyle Pitts, Drake London, and, like, Bijan got a touchdown, yes. But none of those guys had, like, career days, and they still won very comfortably. Um, I think he has a lot at his disposal that he isn't even unlocked yet. And so for them to already get up in a division that's going to be very weak, um, it, it seems like the Falcons, like, the runway is clear for them to get the division, barring some crazy, you know, unforeseen thing. And my final uh, – it's a little biased, but – I got to keep doubling down, man. I picked Aaron Jones for Offensive Player of the Year. That was a great freaking pick. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so far, I mean, over 120 total yards, two touchdowns in the first week. Looking good, man. You know, I I was very impressed by the uh, performance he had. He looked fresh, which goes a long way for an Offensive Player of the Year candidate. Solid, solid list. Let's let's uh, let's switch into some big week one losers. Um, I'll let you go first this time. I've got a couple that we kind of already touched on, so go ahead. Sure, sure. Yeah, and I, I already mentioned uh, the Giants GM. Yeah, major loser. Sean Payton's next. Wow. Listen, we picked his team based on the fact of well, both these teams are kind of garbage, but. One is a far better coach. I mean, week one, that should be a no-brainer. Dude, they and, lost by one. <laughs> but it's to Josh McDaniels. This is the guy who lost to Jeff Saturday. And so, like, lost to Jeff Saturday. That was the only Colts win. So, like, with Jeff Saturday, it was his only win in his tenure. So, like, I have to – I got to raise the red flag at least. I mean, they don't look like this – they, they have they, a 17-16 score is a classic Broncos score. That is not what Sean Payton was brought in to do. So if that's how it's going to be this year, Broncos country, you're going to want to ride away from the country, all right? Like it's – ooh. And I guess I do have one more loser I have to knock out. Um, it's it's not going to be as gravely bad as like Sean Payton and uh, good old uh, 
buddy there, GM. I don't know. It's, I think it might be John Mar or something. But I'm actually going to say Anthony Richardson. And because as a loser, as a loser in the sense that it looks like he might get run into the ground. Wow, I think he played well, but it might have been too well to the point where they might start looking at him like a Jalen Hurts already. And if he gets used in Shane Steichen's offense, like Jalen Hurts is, they don't have the adequate personnel to protect him. The Eagles, if you saw, they got the push play with the QB sneak. They have. Kelsey Lane Johnson got the best O line in football. Exactly. You don't have that with the Colts. You actually Quentin Nelson, his PFF grade was alarming last year. Like he was a guy who used to be like a lock for me. That Colts line all of a sudden is kind of shaky again. Um, that's gonna be a concern if Anthony Richardson's running for his life. Being a bigger guy, I'm gonna be really upset if he gets a huge injury and we don't get to see this. I mean, this dude could be a better Cam Newton, and Cam Newton's yeah. fun. He's a lot of fun. I thought I actually thought, and we'll move into rookie quarterbacks after this. But I actually thought Richardson uh, played really well. Um, he just needs to learn to slide. Like yeah, that's, that's, not as, that is, I mean, a loser in his situation for the year. I thought when I checked stat line, how he played, I was like, dang, he's playing well. But he might. It reminded me of Andrew Luck. I'm just gonna be honest. Like we've seen this story before, and yeah. um, I just hope it doesn't go that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so my losers, um, I've got three. Um, my biggest loser of the week was the New York Giants, just organization in general. We kind of touched sure. on that already. Um, yeah. The second one, the second one we already touched on, but I kind of want to narrow in a little bit more. My second biggest loser of the week is DJ Moore. Yeah, um, he went yeah. from a situation where he was getting the ball a lot, and he was a significant part of a bad offense was supposed to be a huge part of an improving, better offense with a young and up-and-coming quarterback. The man got two targets, and you can say what you want. Packers have a top-five corner, maybe the best corner in the league who's shadowing him all day, all this stuff. Um, but, man, for somebody who's supposed to come in and be the guy, uh, you need to be able to play against their guy on the other side of the ball. And I know that Jair Alexander is top-five you know, at the worst, but, man, two targets – Two targets. You can't get schemed open. You can't get open for more than that. I know their offense struggled a little bit, but that's a that's a loss in my book. If I'm DJ Moore, I'm not happy when I walk off the field. Not to mention he had that personal foul too, which was hilarious. But yeah, um, <laughs> you know, my third loser of the week. My third loser of the week. This might surprise you, but I was really high on this guy. I, I was a believer. And I, my, my faith has been shaken a little bit Ooh. in Geno Smith. Let me pull up the box score, but uh, it, it, maybe Geno Smith is not the right target. But I just did not see the Seahawks getting just ran and just beaten by multiple scores at home. They lost by 17. Three scores at home. This is Seattle. This was a team that was in almost in the playoffs last year, and they were coming out of nowhere, surprising everybody. They're bringing everybody back, and they added JSN, and they've got a year under Ken Walker's belt. Gino was not horrible. You look at the box score, he was not horrible. Maybe the problems are on defense, but he's the guy that as a casual fan, uh, as somebody who didn't watch this game in depth, but he's the guy that I look at and see 13 on the scoreboard for the Seahawks, and he gets the blame. Um, we'll see if he gets his extension or what. I think he's up after this year, but um, 
you know, you also could, you could probably throw Matt Stafford in the winner's uh, circle here. I, I thought say, that I there was that's... a renaissance there that we saw none of last year, and it was good to see him healthy. Um, mm-hmm. But, look, the, the 112 yards passing, 16 for 26, it's not great. It's really not. They had a decent amount of run game, just under 100 yards, but the offense struggled against the Rams defense, which is something that I just didn't foresee. The Rams defense is not what it was, and I, I you know, maybe I'm too low on the Rams now that Stafford's actually healthy. I mean, if you recall last year, I said they'd miss the playoffs in the preseason podcast, and that was one of my takes that actually hit. And everybody, you were you were shocked that I said that. I was like, Rams are not going to make the playoffs. Stafford's got an elbow injury. I just don't see it. Um, and they just were injury riddled the whole season. And, and and the way this season started with Cup going on IR before we even played a game, I was like, oh, here we go again. But Stafford, 300 yards, maybe I'm wrong. But Geno Smith and I'll just say the Seahawks in general are my are my third losers of the week. Okay. No, and, and you know, it's fair. I mean, you put them in that same category as the Giants. So this isn't me trying to, like, attack or anything. But it is a my thing of why I'm not sold out on the Seahawks is the sense of, like, you're still with the Giants. You're like, you're like, oh, like, it sucks seeing that 40 but it was week one. And I think not having really any film, like a couple games of Stafford last year, we forget how good, like, they traded for Stafford and went to the Super Bowl one. Like, yeah. that's I mean, we're, we're very recently. Yeah. So, like, yes, the final score I didn't think would be 30 to 13, but the Rams winning, like, it being at division, I know it wasn't expected, but it's week one. I will be very concerned if, like, Seattle continues this trend because they were a team that came out hot last year and they still finished nine and eight. So if they come out very cool, I don't, yeah, I don't know if they're going to be able to catch up. That's very true. That's very true. Um, Okay. So let's, uh, let's pivot. We got a couple minutes here set aside. We had a lot of rookie quarterbacks, fresh faces across the league, Anthony Richardson, um, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Sam Howell, uh, you could even throw guys who haven't started yet. Jordan well, yeah, Love, first, year conversation. Yeah. first year starters. Gosh, a lot definitely. of new faces. Okay. <laughs> a lot of new faces across the whole league. Uh, who, who stood out to you um, from this crop? It's going to be biased. But if you go back and look at the game film, I Why mean, the box score validates it. Yeah, but Jordan Love. Because – I mean, I would have confidence, too, throwing against the Bears. But if my biggest takeaway really was his poise in week one. Like, Jordan Love at really no point looked frazzled when at times he got under pressure. He made some really terrific throws. Like, there was a big, like, the Bears had just scored, and it was like a third name. And he found Jaden Reed for, like, 30 yards, like, on the sideline. Like, set his – and, like, the way he's – he, it's very Aaron Rodgers, Mahomes-esque. You could tell, obviously, sitting behind Aaron Rodgers. You pick some of that up. But just the way he can flip his hips, the movement, um, the, the velocity he can get without having to put too much, like, load up into the throw, really just being able to just zip it um, is – it's it's a it's a big deal. It's, it's a big thing to go from Rodgers to 
you drop off you now as a younger guy, but to have kind of the same mechanics and the way he delivered the ball to guys. The play that the play that really stood out to me, the, the piggybacks off what you're saying about poise. He like dropped the shotgun snap or something. Something happened. That too, yeah. Uh, picks it up, turns around, just chucks it off his back foot, finds the wide open Luke Musgrave. Yeah, um, and that's that's poise. That's exactly. Didn't panic. Um, he could have thrown it away if he wanted to. Done the right thing. Found the wide open guy in the broken coverage. Um, yep. Very the poise is the right word. He looked very calm and comfortable back there. Absolutely. He's definitely the biggest winner, uh, in my opinion, of first-year starting quarterbacks. Um, my pick, I went away from Love. I felt like he was the obvious pick because he just lit it up. He's the only guy I threw three touchdowns yesterday. Um, yeah. I tried to stay – I went with a rookie. The guy who impressed me was the only guy who got a win. The only rookie – unless I'm wrong, the only guy who got a win is Sam Howell. Um, I felt like he looked really solid. Uh, yeah. You know, threw an interception, 200 yards, but he was making plays on his feet. I know he's playing, I know he's playing the Cardinals, and the Cardinals are openly tanking. But um, look, winning, winning in the NFL is not easy. And at the very least, I think the Commanders have found themselves a young guy that they can develop, who right now is scrapping together wins with a mediocre roster. You know, I know we're early in the season; they could, they could suck the rest of the year, and I could be way off in this take, but. Uh, I don't think he played the cleanest of all of the rookie quarterbacks. I would probably give that to Anthony Richardson, honestly. I mean, they almost knocked off the Jaguars. Mm -hmm. um, but I do think that he, you know, finding a way to winning matters a lot in this league. Um, and I don't care who you're playing, you know. Uh, yeah, I got to give that because, yeah, the the uh, Bryce Young, Stroud, Richardson, those top – none of them actually won their game, <laughs> you know, as good as we saw some of their flashes, uh, Sam Howell. And I, I get, you know, Ron Rivera, this off season was very high on him. You know, they didn't win the game last year when Sam Howell played, but you see the same things that you saw in week one of just, all right, like this guy can do something. And having Terry McLaurin on that team, having Jahan Dotson, um, they have pieces and if for some reason things were to go haywire, you do have Jacoby Brissett in your back pocket, who I think is, if it's not Gardner Minshew, is probably like the best back quarterback in the league. I mean, it, yeah. maybe we can throw Trey Lance based on like upside, but in terms of like established, you know, number twos to turn to. Um, I, but I don't think they'll have to do that. My uh, apologies, too. I think I referred to Sam Howell as a rookie, and I definitely did not. First year starters is yeah. really, I think, the topic of the conversation. Um, just there was a lot of like fresh faces, guys. We are not Desmond Ritter. I mean, we can kind of even throw in that conversation. That's true. Um, so it's going to be, an, I think, an interesting season for that reason. It is just the idea that so many young guys are at quarterback now. Um, it's, and this might be a little, you know, early. But I think it's going to become a point where we're going to see left tackles and line, like the offensive line in general, become the most like important position in the NFL. I really think that. I think quarterbacks are soon, we're not going to be so starved to find them anymore. I think we're actually going to get some guys that can fill out rosters. It's going to be a matter of can you get your guys up front to block the monsters that keep – I mean, because the Cowboys game was like, holy cow. But the Packers doing what they were doing to the Bears – seeing Kirk and but even both sides like Mayfield was under fire a lot 
every game you turned on, it seemed like teams were just getting after it, and there's just not a lot of whole like good offensive lines in the NFL. It's yeah, just my I mean, short analysis is I just feel like post Manning Brady like eras, mm-hmm. teams became really obsessed with finding that next guy, um, and finding you know finding the next generational dynasty leading quarterback. And the reality is there's no more than like three or four of those guys in the league at a time. Yeah. Like that's the, that's the reality. And so, but you can, you can win without them. And prior to Brady and those, you look back, teams were winning with guys like Troy Aikman. And I guess Montana stands out and Steve Young stand out, but those, the Niners are, in my opinion, are an example. Those Niners teams are an example of a team with a really solid roster and culture that one with two different quarterbacks. And that yeah. aids my point. Guys like Terry Bradshaw, and I know we're going way back, so guys are just going to be inherently worse at the quarterback position. But I think sure. teams, I think I agree, teams are waking up to the idea based on kind of what the Rams did, uh, what Nick Foles was able to do. Teams are waking up to the idea that, yeah, I don't need a top three quarterback MVP winner in the league to succeed. Sure, if I have Patrick Mahomes, uh, I'm going to win a lot of Super Bowls, but I can win one Super Bowl if I have Matt Stafford, if I catch Nick Foles at the right time. If I have Jared Goff, they went to the Super Bowl with him. Like, you know what I'm saying? And if I build a really good roster around, I can win playoff games. Um, and you know, you know, Jared Goff has, sorry to cut you off, but it's a great stat. You know, Goff hasn't thrown a pick since like week eight of last year. Like, he's actually closing in on the, he's closing in on the record for most consecutive attempts without a pick. Yeah. Like, he's going to catch Aaron Rodgers. What a legend, man. I'm, I, I'm, telling, you, I, I'm of, telling you, after Thursday, back. I'm so – I love Jared Goff. I saw yeah. a bunch of people saying Baby Goat has found his Eli because now he's <laughs> 0-2 against Jared Goff. And it's just – Yeah, it's going to go against them. The Monday night duel, like – Yeah, it's – going to forget that. Oh, man. But Eli, another perfect example of, like, mid-tier quarterback getting the job done because they had a great defense. Like, you know what I'm saying? And um, I hope teams do wake up to that because there's been so many teams that have just been – it's like your your mom and your home fantasy league every year drafting Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers in his prime or Drew Brees or, you know, whoever uh, yeah. in the first round. And you laugh every year because you're like, what? I can get a guy who's, you know, five touchdowns worse 10 rounds later. Why would I not take a running back here? Why would I not take a receiver here? And there's been real life teams that do that. Like it's, it's just you know it's interesting the the history of the NFL, um, and we're kind of off base a little bit, but it's no. a very, that was a good point. It's it's a very good point because as I'm not going to go completely off, but it's a great analogy in the sense of the chess. The king is the most important piece. It's how you win or lose the game. Quarterback, if you have one, it can really deter if you win or lose the game. But if you don't have a queen, if you don't have any other pieces, if you have no chess pieces for your king, you can't win the game of chess with quarterbacks. No matter how good, it, that I think that's the issue where people get it twisted. Is like they'll be like, "Oh, the quarterback, because it's the most important position, their value is here." And I would have to disagree. Where it's like they're the most important position, but then your left tackle's value is right here, and then right next to that is your top receiver and your defense. Like in terms of team construction, just having a good quarterback isn't going to cut it. As much yeah. people look at the Chiefs and say that, we saw it on Thursday with their defense. Like, not having Chris Jones matters. Not having Travis Kelsey matters. It's not just the Mahomes show. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, all right, we can finish to our last segment here. A couple minutes left. But uh, every week we pick every single game. This week we have not – we're recording this before the Monday night game. We both have the Bills tonight. Uh, we're both 8-7 and seven in our selections going in. Um, so, of course, we're going to tie again. Last year our entire – we picked the entire season. We were separated by one game. Quick recap of week one. Uh, Lions-Chiefs, I had Lions, you had the Chiefs. That's a win. Uh, I had the Bengals winning. You had the Browns. There, That was you. We both had the Ravens winning. We both had the Vikings who lost. You picked mm. the Falcons. I picked the Panthers. We both had the Commanders and Jaguars. I picked the Niners. You picked the Steelers. I picked the Saints. You picked the Titans. We both had the Broncos losing. We both had the Eagles winning. And we both had the Seahawks losing. Sorry, when I say Broncos and Seahawks, we both picked them and they lost. Uh, right. You had the Dolphins beating the Chargers. We both had the Packers winning. Uh, I did pick the Chargers and lost. We both missed on the Giants. We both have the Bills on Monday Night Football. Um, that takes us to week two. We're both eight and seven. Uh, could be eight and eight or nine and seven, going depending on how tonight goes. It takes us to week two, Thursday Night Football. Uh, Vikings going into Philadelphia. Fly Eagles, fly! That's the, for those on the podcast. He's doing the he's doing the wings motion. <laughs> We're both taking the Eagles. I see. I mean, there's so many factors on why I won't take the Vikings. So many. Let alone the fact that it's a prime time game. But um, yeah, if happened last year. Yeah, they're really their history recently against the Eagles has been atrocious. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, (laughs) the Eagles roster is structured perfectly to win this game by four scores. (laughs) Yeah, somewhat of a hot take, but. all right, mm-hmm. another huge game, and I didn't even realize. This is a game I'm excited to see on Sunday. Ravens going into Cincinnati. Who do you got? This is going to be a hot one, but it's the Ravens. That's not I, a hot take. I'm I, I, yeah, okay. I think the Bengals do go 0-2 here. I, I, I'm yeah. convinced. Even I think the Bengals go 0-2. I won't, I'll be happy if they don't. I I, I, I root for the Bengals. I don't root for them. not my favorite team, but. I have them winning the division, so obviously I have stock invested. But um, you know, <laughs> Easter egg for uh, next week. Yeah, yeah. We'll we have a new we have a new uh, segment debuting next week. We'll talk more about it as we end the show. But we're both picking the Ravens. Interesting. All right, Seahawks going into Detroit. I'm going to take the Lions actually to go two and zero. I know they lost to the Seahawks last year. Might have actually even been week two, uh, yeah. like 45, 42 or something like that. But I think they've turned a leaf. Their defense, if they could hold Mahomes 20 points, dude, this Seahawks offense, I've got my question marks. Won't be shocked if the Lions lose this game. It'll be classic Lions to beat the Chiefs and lose the Seahawks. But I'm taking Detroit. Man, I, I was really – yeah, I'm still going to stick with the Lions. I can't bring myself to take the Seahawks. I, I just did not see enough last week. And I just think the Lions, they improved – they really did. They they got the coach in there too. Like I think their philosophy is like one of the best in the NFL. Colts going into Houston. I'm taking the Colts. I think that they look great against who I th- thought I thought they'd get blown out by the Jaguars. I thought they looked great. Uh, Texans did put up a decent fight against the Ravens though. So who do you got? Texans really because it's at home and this is like one of the couple wins I foresee on the year. Um, also, wouldn't be sh- like I saw Richardson exit. Like, I wouldn't be too shocked if, you know, he just gets banged up. That's kind true. Of I forgot. About I think they're going to play a little differently next week. I just got that feeling. Okay. Uh, Bears going into Tampa Bay. Um, I'm taking Tampa. 
I just think they met. Yeah. I just think they match up really well against the bears. They pose a lot of problems. That the Packers do with better receivers than the Packers have. Yep. Uh, and they've got a really good defense. Like they looked great last week. I know, I know that Kirk kind of lit them up, but man, yeah. I still think their pass rush look good. And any pass rush against the bears is a problem for the bears <laughs> problem in general. Um, here's what I think will be probably the game of the week. You got Romo, whoever on, you know, Romo and Nance on this game. Chiefs going into Jacksonville. Who do you got? This is a tough one. I'm still – I'll go Kansas City. I, don't, I just don't see them going down 0-2. But also wouldn't shock me if they did, especially if Kelsey is in play. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll with the Chiefs. Don't like that they're going into Jacksonville, man. I'm going with Jacksonville. I do, boy. <laughs> man, I believe this is this is T Law's chance, man. This yep. is a big game. Punch, you know, hit them while they're down. Um, I don't have much analysis to add to it other than it's at home. They're full strength and no Chris Jones, man. That is such a big factor that nobody people are starting to talk about. I think it's gonna get really talked about when the Chiefs start 0-2. Yeah. Uh, Packers at Falcons. I don't even need to ask you who you're taking. Um, I'm actually going to take the Falcons here. Just going on a feeling. And also, we play better when I don't pick the Packers, man. So, uh, we'll be, it's, it's just insurance. If we lose, I'm happy. You know, this was the philosophy that I had last year, right? <laughs> oh, <It> was. <laughs> if we There's lose, I'm here. Wasn't it like – I think last year, for those of you who weren't here, it was like after we lost to the Jets in week six. I vowed to never pick the Packers again. <laughs> I did not. Until week one of this year, I broke my promise. Um, but the, it's not – the vow is not back. But we'll be taking the Falcons. Bills at Raiders, I'm taking Buffalo. Or Raiders at Bills, actually. But, yeah. Yeah, definitely taking the Bills here. Um, Chargers at Titans. I'm taking the Chargers – I. They looked good last week. Um, and the Titans offense is just I think the I think the Chargers defense matches up better against the Titans offense than does the Dolphins. Agreed. And actually I think Tannehill is gonna get benched pretty shortly here. If yeah. anything from what I saw last week reigns true, they need to take a look at Malik Willis. I don't I don't think they should look at Levis this year, in my opinion. I agree with that. But uh 49ers going into LA to play the Rams. I'm taking the Niners. I just can't pick against a team that just looked that dominant last week. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I'm gonna have to take the Niners too. I want to pick at some point, but yeah. Giants going into Arizona. This is where I think this is part of why I felt like, you know, I think this is a big bounce back game. Mm-hmm. They've got an easy opponent. I think they're gonna come out and turn it around and build some momentum off this. Yeah, if Giants don't win this, I'm probably not picking them the rest of the year, I'm gonna be honest. Yeah, fair. All right, here's another. This is this is probably the afternoon window game of the week. Uh, Jets going into Dallas. Jets. Wow, Aaron, we're on the same page. Yeah, we we're on the same page. That's what I said. I was like, Aaron Rodgers owns the freaking Cowboys. <laughs> yeah, that that was like a muscle memory for me. I just said Jets at Cowboys, and he was just think Rodgers at Cowboys. Yes. Jets, man. Oh man, Commanders going into Denver. Who you got? Interesting game. Denver should win it. If they don't, I'm really gonna look at Sean Payton funny. Um, this this should be a matchup where like they should he should draw something up to contain Sam Howell and then the commanders like 
Uh, I'm going to go Broncos. I could see them screwing it up, though. I, I never pick Broncos, and it turns out well. Very true. Um, I'm going to take the Broncos as well. It's a home game. Denver's got a pretty decent home field advantage. They've got a rock-solid defense, and it's a young quarterback that they're going against. Who, uh, While I think he played great last week and he got the job done, um, I think this is going to be a tougher matchup. I think Denver wins this game. Um, all right, last game of the afternoon window, Dolphins going into New England. Going into New England. I will if you if you don't know off the top of your head, I've got my pick and I've got I'm not backing off of it. Not so. backing off of it. I'm probably gonna go with Dolphins. All right. I just yeah. I just think the Patriots probably win next week, but they're gonna start on two to me. I'm taking New England, man. That's uh, fair. They, they almost knocked off the Eagles last week. First off, and yeah. uh, dude, you it, this is this is what I'm talking about with the Dolphins is you've got a defensive mastermind going against Tua. Like he, he, we'd have a, Tua look great this week, but you've got, you know, the greatest defensive mind in the history of football, arguably, um, who just almost beat the Eagles um, at home. Um, I'm going to take New England, man. If their offense can just get it done. They had so many chances to win that game against the Eagles. Uh, Sunday night football, Saints at Panthers. A couple of new faces playing quarterbacks. Um, I'm taking New I'm taking New Orleans again. I don't I didn't see that much out of Carolina. I expected a little bit more. Um, but uh Saints won a grinder against, you know, Mike Mike Rabel. That's always it's always just a tough out to beat them. I don't think the Panthers are gonna be as hard of a win. Yeah, I know I hate that I kind of matching a lot here, but like I'm not gonna give myself losses. I just think the Saints are, are gonna beat the Panthers. Uh if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but the class like veteran old school division rival against like the new up and come. They got Panthers got things to learn still. Yeah. But, uh final final pick of the week, Browns at Steelers on Monday night. I'm rolling with Cleveland to keep the momentum going. I did not see a lot out of Pittsburgh. Um, so I think the defense is gonna be probably lights out against an offense that struggled against that's two tough defenses for Kenny Pickett to start the year against. But this is a division matchup, so he's gonna have to be used to Cleveland. I hate it. I'm going to take the Steelers to like try and salvage that pick, but they might get on a no-pick list pretty soon. <laughs> uh, they just need to show up. If I lose close with them, I'll allow it. But if it's not a blowout, uh, I may just have to eat that bad division pick. Like, yeah, Well, it is what it is. Um, all right, so many of you might be asking uh, about this new segment that we're going to debut next week. We're ironing out the details. Um, we're very excited about it. We think it's going to be a staple of the show. With that in mind, last week we did pick a Fantasy Frenzy team. We actually will be scrapping Fantasy Frenzy moving forward. So sorry to those of you that loved it. We think that this is going to be better. <laughs> uh, we think this is going to be a better option, and we'll describe it next week. So we won't be doing Fantasy Frenzy this week. We think this will be better for when we have guests on. We'll have guests on next week, hopefully, as soon as possible. The scheduling conflict this week, it'll work out. But um, we're very excited about the new segment next week. Um, with that being said, thank you guys for listening. Be sure to check us out on TikTok and Twitter. Um, subscribe to our YouTube and uh, tell your friends about the podcast. If you have anything, DM us. Let us know. Any suggestions, any hot takes, let us know. Uh, with that being said, excited for the Monday night, fo- Monday night football game tonight with the Bills and the Jets. We'll recap that if we need to next week. Um, but any closing thoughts? No, just uh, excited for tonight. We'll see how Rogers does in some new green. Yeah, yeah, that's well said. That's well said. Um, so thanks for listening, guys, and uh, catch you next week. Take care.